I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the high. In season five. Of the, the Connor and Smith Show. It is a stormy, stormy evening here, and we are dodging lots of things, but um, we wanted to get this episode out. Um, we tonight are talking to Mike Hedges. Yes, yay, Mike. We know Mike as a friend, a colleague, a roommate. All the things. And we're going to learn a lot about Mike tonight. Yes, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back. Can you hear me, Mike? I sure can. How are you? <laughs> I am good. I'm sitting here with my co-host and husband, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Matt. What's going on? What is going on, you guys? And also our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Mr. Hedges. Mr. Halbrook. Good to hear your voice. You too, man. Or Mike Jonathan? That is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Where What's are... going where are you talking to us from? Uh, I am in Averill Park, New York, which is about 20 minutes outside of Albany, uh, sitting in my living room. Nice. How long have you lived there? Uh, uh, my wife, Bianca, and I bought this house in uh, April of 2020. So we've been here a little over two years now. <laughs> right in time for a good old quarantine. Oh, my goodness. It was an insane process trying to purchase a home while the entire world was shutting down. It was insane. Wow. I can only imagine. Um, and what brought you there? Uh, well, wow. That's, that's, uh, that's a long story. Uh, basically, I had, yeah, I had moved to Albany in uh, the spring of 2017, uh, I had uh, saved a bunch of money and uh, living in New York. And I, I was tired of renting and I was thinking it was time to buy something, you know, set down some roots somewhere. And, um, you know, my folks aren't getting any younger. So I kind of drew a circle around them and started looking at places that were within, you know, uh, a, a, a reasonable drive from where they where they are. Uh, they're still in the mid Hudson Valley. So, you know, I was looking at places like Beacon, New York, uh, Peekskill, New York, um, uh, places in Connecticut, Danbury. Um, and um, and it turned out I had an opportunity to purchase an investment property in Rensselaer, uh, New York, which is uh, directly across the river from Albany. Um, and I, uh, and while that was happening, I, uh, I met Bianca uh, and we started dating and it all just sort of happened at once. I, I moved in with her. Uh, she was living in Albany at the time. And I, I purchased that proper that uh, investment property. It was a, th a three story, uh, three unit brownstone, and uh, yeah, that's that's how I ended up uh, in the capital region. All right, all right. Um, so, Mike, rewinding. Wait, what's an investment property? So I, I uh, so it's a property that I own but don't live in. So I'm a landlord. I I have um, tenants there. It's uh, um, you know I collect the rent every month and I make sure that the lights stay on and that things get fixed when they need to be fixed. Uh, when people move out, I do a lot of painting. <laughs> I uh, oh nice. You know. So you basically started a brand new business while also relocating. And it's a win-win. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it, it, you know, it it wasn't my original intent, Matt. I I thought that, you know, I I thought I was going to buy a house that I was going to live in, you know, and uh, you know, I I was tired of just shoveling money out the window every month on rent, and um, 
And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, geez, maybe I'll get like a duplex, you know, and I'll live in one part of the duplex and then rent the other out. And then if, if everything goes well, the, the rent that I collect from the other tenant will pay my mortgage. So, you know, I'm lazy. I was hoping to live for free. (laughs) Um, And, but then, you know, this property came along, which is, which was a much bigger bite. Um, It's an old brownstone. It's an old building. Um, There's, you know, it needs love. And there are things that I can do with my skill set and things that I cannot do. Uh, I'm not a stonemason. I'm not a plumber. Um, So I knew it was going to be a big undertaking, but I, but I figured, you know, well, if I'm living in one unit and then I'm collecting rents on two of them, you know, one will pay the mortgage and maybe one will pay for the repairs and upkeep. And, uh, well then life happened and I ended up moving in with, with Bianca and then we ended up getting engaged, getting married. So I never ended up living in the building, but uh, I, I, I planned on it to begin with. So that that's that, that yeah man. that's amazing. Oh, thank you. It, like I said, it was not part of the original plan, but it ended up being the plan. So, so you totally like love being a landlord. Um, it's you know I do like it. It's um you're your own boss. Um, uh, it is uh it uh part of it is service industry. You're dealing with people. You're managing people. Um, you're, uh, when they have issues, you know, you're, you're playing, um, uh, you know, the role of, uh, either Mr. Fix it, you know, sometimes I'm Mr. Roper, sometimes I'm the CEO delegating, you know, calling, <clears throat> you know, calling companies to, you know, do the work that, you know, I don't have the skills to do. Um, but, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, but most of the time it's, it's just, it's the people business, you know, you're just, you know, making sure that they have what they need to, to live their lives comfortably. And, uh, and that, uh, you know, the, the big bills get paid every month and, and that the whole thing kind of happens. Um, you just said, Mr. Roper. Yes. And now I'm not even listening to your conversation. I'm thinking to myself, wait, there was Mr. Roper, there was Mrs. Roper. And then there was one other guy. Mr. That's Mr. Furley, right? Early was it? Oh my God! Or was it? Or I I can't remember if it was the. Any millennials are listening to this? It's a show called Priest Company. (laughs) Uh, It it, it premiered in 1892. Yes. Um, Yep, and it was filled in the back of a covered wagon. (laughs) And and Mike Hedges is currently working on a documentary about rent. It's called Rent. Rent, <laughs> rent, 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 rent. So, yeah. uh, baby Mike, are you where are you from? Are you from New York? Uh originally, yeah. I'm from um uh, the mid Hudson Valley where where my parents still are. So uh, about an hour and a half to two hours north of New York City, uh, if you can imagine that in your mind's eye. And where I am now is maybe an hour fifteen minutes north of that. So we're about three hours north of New York here. And, and what happened to young Mike that made young Mike want to, I know you have the Cornell side. So, say, yeah, Cornell, yeah. Um, but, but so take us through like, what made you think, Hey, why not try being an actor? Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, when I was in high school, um, uh, you, know, I, you know, theater was a big part of my life and who I was at that time. And um, like, I'm sure all of you guys can can relate. You know, it was it was something that that I did that I really enjoyed and, you know, taught me a lot of really awesome life lessons. And, um, you know, it was part of how I viewed myself. And um but I was also, you know, a pretty good student, um, you know, got pretty good grades and, you know, was on the honor roll and whatnot. And as I was moving later into my high school years, uh, you know, my, you know, I, I, was, I was starting to feel a lot of pressure, you know, both from, you know, outside sources and from, you know, within myself too, that, you know, 
geez, you know, I, I might have the opportunity to go to a really good school here if, if I play my cards right. And so, you know, even though I really loved, you know, the theater and being on stage and performing, you know, my mind started to say, well, you know, maybe you should play it a little bit safer and, and, you know, maybe take a, a little bit more of a conventional course. So I applied to a lot of schools. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. Um, so I, I just applied to a bunch of, you know, good colleges, good universities, uh, in a, in a bunch of different programs, engineering, uh, I think one was finance, a bunch of different stuff. Um, and I ended up, you know, getting into a couple of really good schools, including Cornell. So I went to Cornell and, um, Cornell was, is known for what Cornell is, uh, it's a, it's an Ivy league school. It's a, it's a, it's a major research university. Um, some really famous scientists graduated from Cornell, um, Carl Sagan went to Cornell. Uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson went to Cornell. Um, it's also been made famous by Ed Helms' character on The Office. Yeah, Ed Helms from The Office, absolutely. Can I ask um, another stupid question? Sure. What qualifies a university under the umbrella Ivy League? Is uh, there Ivy? <laughs> <laughs> there is some Ivy there. Um, the, the Ivy League... It, I think originally it was a, uh, a kind of a, just a colloquial term for these really elite, uh, high, high reputation schools where, uh, folks with means, you know, folks from the right kind of background could send their kids and they would, you know, kind of have a leg up on, on the rest of us. As so far as you know, more advanced, focused. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like, like when you're in high school and you're a part of like the extra hard English class or whatever. Yes. Is, yeah. Yes, I, and especially in the, especially years and years and years ago, that was the case. I mean, now it's you can get a really quality education in just about any state in the union. I mean, there are fantastic colleges out there. Um, well, I would definitely say that Lindy Herman's uh, improv class was definitely an Ivy League class. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, and to be fair, better than any theater arts course I took at Cornell by, by a lot. I mean, she was a genius. So what was your major at Cornell? Uh, I was a environmental systems engineer, um, which sounds... <laughs> like a like a big leap and it was um because again I, I didn't really know what i wanted to do you know and um uh i i, I happened to get into the uh agricultural program at cornell and that was one of the majors in it and i just thought it sounded really interesting like oh environmental systems you know maybe maybe i can save the world you know maybe i can learn something about how how we as mankind function within the world. You know, I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was fascinating. Um, and then I got into it and I, I realized how ill-suited I was for it um, at that time. Uh, um, it was, you know, it, it would have been a major undertaking to make myself um, adequate in that program. And I, I just found that I, I, that's not where I wanted to be. And um you would end up getting a job with the government and uh, discussing things that are in the Department of Agriculture, yeah. Department of Interior. I, I, you know, Matt, I thought it was going to be like I was going to design like some sort of factory that solved pollution or, you know, made the supply chain 100 percent efficient. And it really was more <clears throat> more like civil engineering. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as, um, it didn't really pique my interest. Like, like I thought it was like, I thought it would from the outside. So, um, so I soldiered on for a little while and, uh, while I was doing that, I was still, I was still involved in the arts and I was, I was doing, you know, I was doing some, uh, student directed, um, 
projects and things. And, you know, I, I, I was in, um, I was in a couple different productions. I was in Equus there and a couple other things. And some of, you know, my colleagues were like, wow, you're really good. You know, you should consider being you a theater major. I'd Matt Dice there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh you good old Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the play, the play Equus. And, oh um, my God, that took me a second. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I, sh I should have been more clear that, yeah, the, 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 you know, where I played, um, the, the, where I played the kid, you know, and, and, you know, people were like, you know, you're really good. Maybe you should think about this. And I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I never stopped loving performing, you know, maybe, maybe this is something. And, you know, I was really not sure about what I was doing. So I thought, well, maybe I really should, you know, give being a, a theater major a shot. And, and then at that point I was, I was really kind of ready for a, an even bigger change. I was ready for, you know, to branch out and maybe do something <clears throat> uh, a little bit more outside my comfort zone. You know, I lived in New York state my whole life. I hadn't really traveled a lot. So I thought, well, maybe I should transfer and try to get into, a, you know, a program and a school that's more known for theater performance. And then I was, and, you know, and, and the, the other part of that was, well, if I'm making this kind of change, maybe I should try to leave New York state altogether and see if I can <laughs> go someplace a little warmer or, you know, meet different people, live in a different place, you know, see more of the, see more of the world. So. Did you go to like the library and like, look at like books? Cause that's what we did back then. Um, I had a, uh, I, I had the, uh, music director from my high school who, and, uh, and their, that artistic team were actually, um, really, uh, really juiced in. And, um, one of them, uh, highly recommended Shenandoah. <laughs> so that was how I ended up, um, yeah, that was how I had uh, I, I had heard about Shenandoah. And then a friend of mine from high school, Josh Farner, who you guys all remember, yes. uh, had ended up going to Shenandoah and was a freshman that year. And he had like written me a letter like, hey, you know, what are you doing? You should come visit me here. And then I wrote him a letter back saying something like, not only do I want to visit you there but i think i really want to make a bigger change and you know find out if this is you know the life course for me and if this is something that i want to do with the rest of my life and I, what better way to do that than to do it right right so but yeah i had kind of like leaned on 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 um those folks uh, michael berkeley uh, ray roderick uh, sarah combs they were you know part of the uh, artistic uh, uh staff at um stissing mountain high school where i went to high school and you know they had and they had made some suggestions about some colleges that were well renowned that i should apply for uh, illinois wesleyan was one of them um Heart School of Music, uh, uh, a couple places in North Carolina, and you know, I I I, I applied, I, I auditioned, and uh, I I got offered uh, uh, to be part of the freshman class of 1995 at Shenandoah, and that's and that's how I ended up there. Yeah, that was quite a journey to get there. Um, so that's that's kind of amazing the 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 fact that you wait Cornell does not have a tap program. Uh, no, not that I know of. Maybe um, we can start one. You, you know <laughs> Cornell tappers. You know I I you know Matt I looked at it and Cornell had something called um, they had a theater program, but it was it was heavily geared towards like academics and dramaturgy rather than performance. Uh, to the point where um, they had a program called RPTA, Resident Professional Theater Associates, where they would have auditions in the city and hire equity actors to do all of their main stage productions uh, at, you know, in, in various leading characters. And in addition, they would teach all of the introductory level acting classes. Uh -huh. um, 
So yeah, it was it really interesting. Alpha Psi Omega group sat around in togas and drank wine out of goblets and had like a sonnet off. <laughs> I don't know what they did. I, I never I never found out there. But um, you know, it you when I was there, I was sort of like, well, this this, this is a great opportunity if I was you know, 30 and looking to take a break from my, you know, off, off Broadway career and, and, and do a, a academic year or two, you know, in a beautiful place at a well-renowned campus, where maybe I can take some other classes and make a good salary. But as an undergrad, it was sort of like, well, I'm guaranteed never to really get cast in anything of, of any weight. Right. Right. You know, and if you're in a and if you're in a perform, if you want to be a performer and you're not really getting to perform anything meaty, you know, that's no fun. So that I, that's why I eventually was like, I'm going to transfer. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm feeling like I need to make a big move anyway. And that there's this sort of like glass ceiling over the top of me at this place. That's that was sort of the deciding uh, factor there. So. Tell us a little bit. What did you think of Shenandoah? Did you, were you immediately like enamored with it? Did it take you a while to like kind of feel like you were fitting in? I mean, for me, it was like almost immediate. I just felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I, I felt like um, uh, you know, it, it, Ryan. It's funny. I, I I had I first of all, I had a friend there. Um, so I knew someone I was, I was kind of lucky in the fact that I already knew somebody there. Partner, right? Yeah. And, um, so even if I didn't know anybody else, it was like, there was one familiar face on campus. Right. And, um, but when I got there and, you know, I met you and, <clears throat> you know, Maggie and Mark and, you know, the rest of that class of, of 99, I was like, you know, these people really feel like contemporaries. They really feel like, you know, kindred spirits in some way, even though we were all so different. And um, so I did feel like it was a place where I would, where I should be. I felt like I had made a good choice and that I landed in a place where I, I maybe could thrive. Um, it was also, it, it was also terrifying because I was like, I hadn't really been in any sort of <clears throat> studio setting since high school, you know? So I was like, I'm two years behind everybody else here, even though I'm two years older, how's that going to play out? You know? Yeah. The classes were always small enough that you felt that you were always seen and, yes. uh, you know, you were very visible. And so you had to work on yourself because if you didn't, it, you would be seen. It, there wasn't any hiding there for sure. Yeah. You know, if you showed up to class and your work was garbage, everybody saw it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was sometimes, I mean, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, sometimes, you know, I, w I would choose, a, you know, a piece that didn't suit me. Sometimes I just physically couldn't wrap my mind around it or my ideas about it were all wrong. Uh, sometimes I just blanked, uh, you know. It was liberating, wasn't it? Just yeah. kind of liberating to be able to do all of that if you wanted to. Yeah, it was it was liberating. It was terrifying. It was exhilarating. It was all of those things, you know. And and Matt, you mentioned Lindy. I mean, and that uh, I think above anything else was just a, a fear of, you know, letting her down because she was so magnificent. And, and I mean, and had just such an aura about her that I didn't want to walk into class and be terrible because that would be a waste of her time, you know? So it and was. She had a way, even not in class, whenever she came and saw your shows, whether it be scene study or mm -hmm. a performance in Armstrong or whatever, she would always say the most supporting things to, to you or, you know, that she would just was so nice. Yes. And then, her class, her class was so intimidating, and I took her class twice. And mm -hmm. I remember someone in my class saying, "Matt, you know you don't have to take improv twice." And I said, "I think I may have missed something." <laughs> well, I mean, I I look back at the classes I took there, and I probably missed something in every class I took. You know, it was, but that was the environment. You know, it was such a, you know. 
there was there was there was structure, but there was also so much freedom to explore that I could have taken any one of those classes offered multiple times and gotten something new out of it. Yeah. Uh, what was that guy's name? Brad Stoller. Yeah. Brad Stoller. Um, I didn't. I don't understand any of this. Contact topic. improv. I don't contact improv. What happened? I'll, all yeah. I know is a, a grown man made me like roll around on his back. It was weird. No, that happened to me one night at tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and you know, a much different, you know, than the, you know, than the 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 Uda technique that that Hal and Lindy were both proponents of you know but that was what was great about it was that there were differing um philosophies and you know one was definitely prevalent but you know you were exposed to a couple different things and it was really neat it was a really neat place to go to school who was your uh, voice teacher uh phil Sargent was my voice that's teacher that's right that's right didn't he go yeah. on sabbatical at one point and you had to, like be with somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first year I was with Gene Galvin. That's right. Oh, my God. I was with Sargent and then went to Galvin, I think. Exactly. Yeah. And um, Gene Galvin was convinced that, A, I should be an opera, not a uh, music theater. And, and you weren't a tenor. And, and that I was – and not just that I wasn't a tenor, but that I was a bass. And I was like, what? <laughs> but dude, I'm not you. I'm not you. Yeah. I mean, so it was, um, you know, he was good. I learned some things from him, but you know, I, at the end of that year, I, I, I made the decision. I was like, you know, I, I was supposed to be in Phil's studio to begin with. L let's make a change and see if, you know, he's, he sees where I fit into this whole puzzle in a different way than you do, you know, um, just cause I, you know, not, not only did I, was I not really interested in being an opera singer? I didn't think I could do it. I, I didn't think that I had that kind of refined vocal technique or, or, you know, or vocal quality to, to be a legitimate opera singer. You know, I, I thought, I was more of a, you know, a pop baritoner or tenor, tenor two type, you know, lyric baritone. So, uh, you know, and, and then that, and that's where, where I was trending and, and, and where, what would be a good fit for me. So, um, then you got to prove everybody wrong when you played a Levis leader and a little night music. <laughs> right, right. So, la, 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 la. oh my God, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, in that show, I, I was all over the place. I, I sang some of the t tenor stuff. I sang some of the the bass stuff. I mean, I was really, I, that was that was as vocally challenging uh, a piece as as I did in in at Shenandoah. It was it was amazing. I let's talk about some of the shows. Uh, you of course starred as. Uh, God, J. Pierpont Finch and How to Succeed in Business. That's right. Um, yep. What were some of the other shows that we were in together? I mean, the most important show that I think Mike Hedges did the entire time he was at Shenandoah was Playground. The one act with uh, uh, Jenny Lamb, uh, Out of Gas on Lover's Leap. Yeah. That was directed by me. So that was, yeah, well, I mean, Jenny Lamb is, uh, is a, a tremendous actress and and a tremendous person. So that was, and, and, and uh, Ryan, you were a great director for that. It was, it, that was really cool. That was a really, a really cool experience. I hadn't thought that about that in many years. And now that I'm thinking back, it was really neat. Um, I'm just playing, man. I, I, I'm, believe me, the other things you did were much better. Much better. <laughs> well, I mean, but uh, you know, I, I think back to school and, you know, the, the main stage productions were of course, you know, uh, you know, w wonderful experiences just to be part of such such you know talented teams of people, all you know performing their passion at a high level. But uh, you know, some of some of my most satisfying work were some of those student directed projects, and um, you know, some of those directing projects. Uh, um, the you know those you know the little things in the black box that we did where we were rehearsing like at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, some of those were my, were my favorite memories, you know? Uh, 
Oh, the directing project that I directed oh with you and Randy. <laughs> well, uh, I, I forget the name of it, um, but I, I were just. Too. Uh, but I, I do remember taking my bow with, uh, you know, covering myself with a pillow and that was it. That was my costume. <laughs> yeah. Cause you got naked in that. I sure did. I sure did. That was a funny scene. That, that was, you know, that was the kind of work that you could only do pre cell phone, pre camera. <laughs> yeah. 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 As, as Jesse Metcalf will tell you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what were some of the other stuff that you did that I'm, I, of course, the, the cursed play, uh, playground. Uh, I would, yeah, we were in that together. Uh, the Mikado, oh God, um, yeah. oh God. let's geez. What else? Bloomer, um, Bloomer squirrel, Bloomer, uh, take it easy. Make it um, cheesy. yeah. Um, I, you know, all of those, the, the, uh, I did three seasons of summer stock with SSMT. So some of those it? shows. Good news was one of them. Yeah, that was our um, first show, wasn't it? I th think so. We're, no, uh, our first show was Superstar, wasn't Superstar, it? Superstar, yeah. yeah, yeah. The first time around, Jesus Christ, Superstar, yeah. Okay. Um, but Good News was in there. Was it, was that the spring show that year? Yeah, it was because I yeah. was I was visiting the college uh, and saw I visited in the fall and the spring and saw both of those shows. Wow! Wow! Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I was so excited to go to Shenandoah after I saw Jesus Christ Superstar. And then after I saw Good News, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a tough show. You know, I remember us doing a lot of um, pre golden era of music theater shows, like stuff from the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Like Good News, um, Bloomer Girl. Um, you know, life is just a bullet bullet cherries. cherries. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, um, uh, no, 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 Nanette, you know, and I just remember thinking, you know, that those were really challenging shows to make the, the dots connect. You know, there was a lot, you know, a lot of references that were obtuse. So just a lot of the sensibilities just didn't really add up to, you know, us in the nineties, you know, trying to make it make sense. I, that was, those were, you know, those, those were challenging to make, to, you know, to be true to the, the material and make it live. Right. Yeah. And yet they really kind of fit the pattern of the departments there because it kind of fit the way that they wanted you to understand uh, how to build a set Yep. It kind of was the way you learned. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like every, not only just the picking of the show, makeup, but, but everything was yeah. sort of in that frozen like world where there was not really an edge to it. It also kind of fit the audience of Winchester coming to see the show. Yeah. I'm sure that had part, part to do with it. Um, you know, know, know your audience kind of thing. You know, the, the community supported them, and, the, I, and I'm sure that they did not want to – and by they, I mean the Hermans, right? Um, I didn't want to, you know, jeopardize in any way uh, the, the support that they received from the community. And, you know, the, I mean, those shows were always so well attended that, you know, there was always going to be some connection to that era and, you know, eras before. So, you know – we did a lot of stuff like that showboat, you know, all of those, you know, some really classic pieces of theater and, and some stuff that we had never heard of. Um, but you know, he had a very, um, old school sensibility, you know, even when directing new pieces, he was, he was very, he was very grounded in that kind of, you know, thirties, forties, you know, pre-Golden Era to early Golden Era Broadway aesthetic. That well, was... Even one of the new sh new shows he brought in was Take It Easy, which is yeah. set in the 40s. In, in the 1940s, right. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, that was his wheelhouse, you know. So, of course, he was going to start there and, and branch out. Um, the, I'm first sure show, you know, the first show I saw at Shando that seemed like it was trying to bust out a little was their production of Sweeney Todd. You know, I never saw it, it um, until 
many years after I, I, I saw the, um, I saw the lighting booth, um, archival, uh, VHS tape of that Sweeney Todd, I think my senior year. Um, and, uh, it was, I mean, it was a great production. Oh my God. Um, but it was, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, but it was also very classically set, just like you said, Matt, you know, the, the way that the lights were, were designed, the, the set design, it was, it was a very classic treatment of the material. Yeah, the sets were always what they call, I think, like a wagons that would, you know, kind of roll on and roll off and just very sort of two-dimensional, mm-hmm. you know, pieces. It was never, I think it was Superstar that really made us realize that there was something different. And I think that was probably because of Robin Higginbotham. Oh, yeah. And, and well, Superstar had like that unit set too, where, you know, all of the action take took place on that kind of... Raked, raked, raked stage, and it was all you know, and it was, and it was really the interplay of the lights that gave you a sense of location, whether it was Judas's tree or um, you know the campfire where where Peter denounced or, uh, uh, or denied Jesus three times. I mean, it was like all of these different locations that were just done with lights, right? You know that. And that was was three plates, right? It looked like three plates. Yeah, it was like three raked, and the center one was a big rake down. And you know, I I remember having, and I remember dancing Simon Zealots my freshman year, and I was in the very back of that rake and kind of at like a like a thirty degree angle down, and just thinking, don't bite it because if I do, I'm going to roll forward and I'm going to take take everybody out in front of me like a bunch of rolling pins. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been awesome. Oh my God. Oh man. I forget one production we brought it up before, but it just I just remember Larry Alexander was playing Jesus during summer stock and he had his the little thing of bread in his hand and he sang in rehearsal it be, because it was the first time with props and props gave him a bubbly pizza shell. And he said this bread could be my hat. Oh <laughs> Oh my goodness! So, um, Michael, what happens after college? What, what when you pack up and go? Where do you go, and where does it take you to? Um, well, uh, seen, uh, last year of school for me was two thousand because uh, uh, there was a couple of performance forums I didn't make it to, and a couple ADM ballet classes I oh, I slept through. Yeah, so I I didn't graduate on time. Uh, I ended up graduating in 2000 with those guys. And um, I had gone to SETC that year and auditioned for a bunch of summer stuff. And I was sort of counting on like a summer contract that year, just as like a landing spot, you know, to, you know, to have one more kind of like summer stock experience before I got into the real world. But more than anything, I was like, I just need a couple of months to figure out where I'm going. You know, I didn't really have any, you know, I had basically as much room as I had in my car to pack my junk, you know, what am, what am I going to do? And I ended up not getting offered anything. Um, so, uh, I, uh, I remember, Steve, you telling me like, Hey, give Matt a call. Matt is, uh, music directing a production of Greece at the West end dinner theater. Uh, no, at the lazy Susan dinner theater, excuse me. And, uh, you know, and you should audition for him. You've got, you know, you've got a fair chance at getting cast. And I was like, you know what? DC seems like a decent place. I'm sure I can find some place to stay out there. Uh, why not? So I auditioned for for that. Um, uh, Matt, you were the music director. I don't. Who was direct? Did was that Stephen R. Hayes that directed that production? Probably. Lazy Susan. Oh yeah, God. the Lazy Susan. No, um, it, it no longer exists. You know that, right? Like it's not I, there. Yeah, I heard that it closed, but uh, is the whole building gone now too? Yeah, it's gone completely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. What an what a place. It was um um it was like a u it was like a um a vintage car showroom before it was a theater. It, was it had like a yeah, and it had like a concrete turntable yeah. as the stage that 
I guess they had the car on and the car would spin and they would have this, have the girl by the car waving her hand or whatever. That was the stage. <laughs> it was, so it they was had a, a revolve. They had a revolve. They had a permanent revolve. Which now, is why they called it the Lazy Susan. Yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, it was a wild, it was a wild place. It was a wild place. I remember that. And, uh, and the, the legion of stray cats that lived behind the theater. Yeah, the and, and if you, and if you snuck out back for a smoke or just to get some fresh air in the middle of a show, you had to watch yourself that there weren't like 15, like semi feral <laughs> cats ready to pounce on you. <laughs> Is that when you started living with us? Um, that, uh, not quite yet. I had, um, uh, so I, I was doing the, the show at, at the lazy Susan and, um, and actually didn't have a place to live. I was, I was living, I was still at, uh, the old Alvis I Omega house on, uh, Leicester street in Winchester. And I was commuting to and from, the lazy Susan for rehearsals. And, uh, we were in the process of getting kicked out of the house by the landlord. And, <laughs> and I think I was also like teaching high school in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, like as a part-time theater teacher, like I was finishing up that semester. It was, it was wild. I was just, I just remember that entire year just being in the car, you know, and I ended up um, renting the spare room at Chuck Stanley's uh, apartment during that run. And then um, after that, I got cast in a uh, theater four tour out of Richmond. So I was in Richmond for a few months. And then after that, I, I ended up in Fredericks. So I was like bouncing around Virginia a little bit. You know, I had, I was kind of going from contract to contract and I think I was, uh, ended up living with you guys that next year. So whatever and that we went through nine 11 together and also. A yep. tornado. Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like nine 11 was right after I moved in. I feel like that was not long after I got there. Yeah. Cause so. I remember running down to the top of the stairs and maybe coming downstairs into your room and being like, Hey, Mike, you should probably turn on the TV. I think something's going on. Yeah. yeah and I, and I had no idea what, I, I had no idea what you were talking about. I, I thought I was dreaming at first. Um, it was, uh, it was scary. It was scary. I mean, I, I turned the TV on and, and there was like the smoke and, you know, one of the towers was already on fire and it was, it was, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. And then a, a week later, literally a week later, there was a tornado. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, that was yeah, because there's a famous photo of that tornado that passed right behind our house. So Matt, I, I think I was at Toby's or something and I called you and I told you to put the um, patio umbrella down and Matt went outside to put it down. And then he went to open the door and he couldn't because the, there was like a suction of air and he saw you through the window, like sitting on the couch and was thinking, do you remember this, Maddie? Yeah. Well, first of all, when I went out there, you were like, put the, put all the lawn furniture away or whatever. And I'm like, it, it costs 16 bucks. But anyway, <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's and right. And I, and what I did, somebody grabbed the umbrella that the, that was at the, um, the umbrella for the, uh, the patio table out there. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. When I walked out all of a sudden, every bird that was in the area, like took off like a bat out of hell. And I was like, oh. yeah. And then when yeah, I it was go grab the door, the air pressure was like against the door, so I couldn't open it. And I was sort of like in this um, scene with um, as Dorothy Gale. And uh, finally I threw open the door and then it, the door kind of slammed behind me. And uh -huh. um, yeah, minutes, like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, it's, the storm's gone. I guess I'm gonna go to the gym. And I went out to my car and I just saw these mammoth trees <laughs> that had been, and I was like, Oh my God! What what happened? Yeah, no, it was it, it was it. I just remember the sky went from like the bluest blue to this like midnight blue, almost black, like like that, like the 
like just in an instant. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a bad one. So. And wasn't it just like April of the next year when I basically came and like took your place? E- yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I like lived I with. About the same show that you were doing. You were doing Joseph at West End. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and. And I moved into where you were living. So I, I took yep. over your life, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I hope you, I hope you wouldn't take over my life and that you made a better life, but, um, uh, no, I, I, yeah, I lived with you guys for a year. And, um, at that point I, I just kind of made the decision. I was like, well, it's time to move to New York. And <laughs> I, uh, you know, I had uh, still been in touch with um, uh, Jason Lyles and uh, Randy McFadden, and those guys uh, called me that either that February or March and said, you know, hey, look, there's an apartment opening up in our building. We know the landlord. Uh, you'll get approved. If you can find two guys to move in with you, um, come on up. And... Uh, and it wasn't a very well thought out uh, decision. It was just sort of like, I'm moving to New York. I'm going, I've got an apartment. So yeah, it was in Queens. It was in Astoria. Um, so, you know, the, as soon as, uh, as soon as that run of Joseph was over, I, I kind of packed up my life and, and moved up to New York. That was 2002, 2002. Uh, and, um, not, yeah, and it was it was crazy. I ended up moving into a building that was a a, a, a two three story walk up that had four units in it. In one of the apartments was uh, Jason Lyles and Randall McFadden and uh, the, a third roommate, and I ended up moving up there with uh, Patrick Hambrick, who had just graduated from college, um, and down to Richmond. Yep, and uh, and Dan o- and Dan O'Brien, and uh, we were in the apartment upstairs and uh, across the hall from them. And not long after that, um, some Shenandoah people moved into the apartment directly below us. Mike Grubbs, Shelley Work. Um, so it was, uh, it, you know, 2.0. I, it it was it it was like Shenandoah Conservatory. Uh, you know the post-college years, like, you know, saved by the bell, (laughs) you know, like it was, that's what it was. And, um, we were impossibly broke. (laughs) It was miserably hot. Nobody in New York, York, nobody had an air conditioner. Nobody had a job. I I don't know how we survived. (laughs) I really don't. Oh man. Um, And, and so what, what I know that, um, you know, we had a few like phone calls or like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. in town, uh, want to meet up at a bar. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I, I, but that was until like almost a decade later, I think. Um, yeah, it was a lot late. Um, I, I think the last. Yeah, I well, so, you know, I was in, in the city for 15 years uh, and that first I'd say 10 years was, you know, I, I was doing the thing, you know, I was auditioning, going on auditions, um, you know, doing workshops and, and, you know, trying to get seen in the city, um, all sorts of different things. Um, and I was mostly getting hired for like out of town, non-equity, like character stuff. Um, uh, I, I ended up after a while getting, a um, uh, into a, a pretty decent relationship with a, uh, a, a theater company in Arizona, uh, Arizona Broadway theater. Uh, it's a dinner theater in suburban Phoenix. And, uh, and they were very good to me and I played some great roles there. I, you know, I played Nathan Detroit. Um, I was in drowsy chaperone there. I was in kiss me, Kate, you know, I, I did some, I did some really, you know, great shows and, and work I'm proud of there. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't a lot of money. And I, I just kind of got into a rut and I was like, you know, I, I can do this forever and have nothing but my career. And, um, and that was okay for a long time. And then after a while I was like, 
I, maybe this isn't okay. You know, maybe I should be thinking about my golden years and what I'm going to do when I'm older, you know, and I can't like, do this. I, I have to say, I have to stop you real quick. Cause yeah, I, no, go ahead. I just had this memory of when you were doing follies at Shenandoah mm -hmm. and I think we were sitting in a parking lot. I think we had gone to the buffet restaurant <laughs> Yeah. And we were talking about follies uh -huh. at, at, at which, you know, at the time I was not in, but obsessed with. And you, you said, yeah, it's a good show. Just kind of makes me depressed thinking about like growing older and still being in show business. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't, uh, I, nobody really landed in a particularly happy place. Right. Um, well, it just makes me wonder if your experience doing Follies kind of kind of forewarned you uh, as you were aging of like, huh, do I really want to do this? Maybe. I, you know, that's that's a great question. You know, life imitating art, imitating right. life kind of right. thing. Um, I, you know, for me, it kind of became a, just more of a you know, kind of a personal decision, you know, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing and getting the same results, which weren't bad. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I knew that I was going to maybe get offered a, a, a contract or two a season in Arizona. Um, you know, I had some, there were some other, you know, non-equity touring companies and some dinner theaters and some other places that I had worked where, you know, I knew that if I had auditioned, I was fairly, confident that I I'd get something, you know, but it was also, you know, uh, it, it just be kind of became a, uh, you know, a place where my mind was, you know, if this is all there is, I've already done it and maybe I should try something new. So, and, and at about that time I had a couple of years pre, this is about 2010, 2011, around there. And, and at that time, uh, a couple of years previous, I had submitted my headshot and resume to a, uh, a production company in Michigan called Productions Plus. And, and they do print modeling and uh, extra casting and some film work, some print work, uh, TV advertising, all sorts of different things. And they also did um, uh, casting for experiential marketing. You know, uh, you know, you go to, uh, you know, you, you, you go to the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade or, or the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, and you've got all of these bright-faced kids representing some company, right, um, and getting paid for it. And I had given them my resume uh, on a suggestion from a friend and I had thought nothing of it. I didn't, you know, I'd never heard, I didn't hear from them. You know, I, I thought that I'd been buried underneath a pile of headshots, you know, but I got in, I think it was the fall of 2010. I got an, invita an invitation to resubmit from them. Hey, we found your headshot. We think we've got uh, something something for you. It's experiential marketing. It's a marketing tour. Um, we see here that you've got a little bit of a technical background that you had been to engineering school, you know, a generation ago. Um, you know, we'd like we'd like you to send in an, a second audition tape. So I did, and it was very technical. It was um, uh, basically doing an automotive walk around you know, where you're standing by a vehicle and you're explaining the features of the vehicle, you know, doing a straight feature function benefit of the car so that people can say, oh, it's got this thing on it. I might want to buy this. Um, so I did it. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it anyway. And I sent it in and I ended up um, getting offered uh, a position on the uh, Chevy racing marketing team for 2012. And, um, and it was like the next opportunity. So I was like, well, I'll give this a shot for a year and, and see, you know, for the season 
and see where it lands. And it ended up kind of getting me into the car business for 10 <laughs> for uh, just about 10 years. So I think that's what you were doing. Uh, the uh, I'm trying to think, I think the last time yes. you mm-hmm. and I hung out was like 2014. Yep. I was in DC for, um, because, so these marketing teams, um, what they do is they take people with our kind of background, right? They need people, they need people, people, they need, um, people that can communicate. They need people that are comfortable in front of people, uh, as presenters and whatnot. And, um, and so what they do is they hire all of these random models, actors, artists, people with, with marketing degrees, and they send you to Detroit and they give you all this stuff to memorize and learn. And I found for me, because I had a little bit of an engineering background that, oh, I can actually explain how an internal combustion engine works. This isn't that hard. So they were like, oh, he's a natural. He's really good at this. They, you know, they put me on the road and then they started to borrow me from the racing team for other contracts where they needed somebody just to show up. Right. And I think there was an auto show or some sort of conference in, in Washington that year. And uh, they needed somebody to stand next to a Cadillac and explain Cadillac's new touchscreen stereo system. Um, (laughs) So they, so they flew me to DC and I you know, stood next to a, a Cadillac, uh, I, I think it was an XTS, and um, talked about, you know, the Q system, which was their, like, first-generation touchscreen, you know, Bluetooth-compatible um, interface for your phone. Basically, everything that every car has now but was very exclusive back then. Right. It was, it was only on the luxury cars back then. It was, you know, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay didn't exist yet. But just, but just pairing your phone, you know, which had all of your music on it, probably still via some sort of SD card, you know, no streaming services yet, um, to play your music over this, you know, and then maybe with some sort of in-dash navigation, that was mind blowing then, you know, that was, that was, you know, so, and that was, and I, I, and that was the last time we saw each other because I was downtown and I was like, Hey, if you want to, you want to get a drink, you know, I'm here for a couple of nights, let's hang out. So that was was swinging a show at Ford's and, and I was like, yes, uh, I'm going to, basically go sign in and then like illegally leave the theater and go have a drink with you and then go back to the theater before the show's over. Before the show's, yeah, I know. I, you showed up and you were like, I've got 35 minutes. Let's hang out. And I was yep. like, sure. Yeah. Oh man. We at the laughing man bar, which was the bar that we kind of went to a lot at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of our go-to. We sat at the yep. upstairs bar that, I believe that bar no longer exists either. Um, um, yeah, I believe it. I so, believe uh, it. So what, what you said you were with the car business for 10 years. is So that's no longer a thing for you or it's still is? I Well, I, I literally just changed jobs. Um, so, you know, I was with Production Plus and, and the Chevy, uh, Chevy racing program through uh, – 2017 2018 and um well about that time i had moved to albany uh i had purchased that um that building and um and i met the woman that would become my wife and we moved in together and that first year i was still doing the cross-country marketing thing i was flying out of albany county airport every Thursday. And then I would work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I would fly back Sunday night and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'd be in town. And at the end of that first year, I had a pretty good idea that I wanted to ask Bianca to marry me. And, you know, we had kind of, and, you know, we're we're, at this point in our lives, you know, we're in our forties, you know, there's, you know, we're sitting down and discussing things like rational adults, like how's this going to work, you know, and we both kind of came to the decision. It would be smarter if I had a job that was more local where I wasn't traveling all the time. 
you know, right. that was, a, and that was something, and that was a request she made of me. And that's something I wanted too. So I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, and I also had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to ask her to marry me. So I, uh, went on some job interviews and, you know, I had this resume filled with, um, <laughs> catering and food service jobs and this one longtime marketing job in the auto business. So I was like, well, what am I going to, what am I, what job interviews am I going to go on? So I said, well, I, I'm not excited about working at a dealership per se, but this is kind of where it lands me. You know, um, I'm going to look like a customer service, you know, maybe sales is a smart, is a smart thing to put on my resume anyway, some sort of sales experience. So I figured, well, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> so um, I went on some interviews and I ended up getting hired at Mohawk Honda, which is a, a Honda dealership in Schenectady, New York, Scotia, New York. And um, I worked there for four years. I was, uh, I was on the sales floor for uh, a year and then I was their uh, vehicle exchange specialist. So like the guy that you know, instead of selling cars, I was trying to buy other people's cars, right. come in and sell me your car, um, which is huge right now. Um, uh, then after two years, I was like, you know, they offered me an opportunity to switch over to the service department. So I took that opportunity. I was, um, uh, I was their, uh, assistant warranty administrator for a year. And then I became their warranty administrator. Um, you know, and that was, that was one hell of an experience. Uh, uh, I'm glad I did it. Um, but burnout's a thing that happens in real life. Um, especially burnout that happens during COVID yep. <laughs> in real life. Yep. Um, uh, I was considered essential throughout the entire pandemic. I didn't miss one, one day of work. Uh, I would drive into the office, you know, on empty roads with nobody around thinking like, this is insane that I'm still going to work, but here I am. Um, but you know, after a while it was just, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't what I want to do for, for 20 years, you know? So I, I literally just started, a, a, a job with, uh, New York state department of, or sorry, office of temporary and disability assistance. Um, I'm one of their contract managers and uh, working for the government, <laughs> got a government job now. So it's wow. it's it's crazy where where life lands you. You know, it really okay. is. Well, Mike, I'm mindful of your time. We just want to have a few questions before we wrap up. Um, sure. Are we? Uh, we've we've asked people. What are people? Um, is there anything that you've been streaming, binging that you could recommend that you have been loving? Uh, um. I, you know, right now I love the Netflix series, uh, chef's table. Okay. I uh, don't, don't know if you're familiar with it. It's, um, it's, it's, a it's, it's a, it's a doc, it's a soft documentary series where, um, you're introduced to a, a chef in a city that could be anywhere in the world. Um, where, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, San Francisco and these guys that make, you know, beautiful sourdough bread or, um, you know, a, a Jewish guy from Queens who ended up in Japan, uh, you know, making one of the most renowned uh, ramen noodle shops uh, in Tokyo. Um, just a really, really interesting uh, food series that's also got like a social uh, human uh, human story or, or uh, um human interest story involved in it. I I'm really super addicted to that. Not just because it's a, you know, there's travel, there's food, there's human interest. It's, it's really interesting to me. That's something I've been watching. There's six seasons of it. Um, I really highly recommend it. All right. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, my wife has got me addicted to succession. <laughs> so okay. that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm watching now. And, um, and you guys know me, I'm still watching quite a bit of baseball. So <laughs> any any books that you could recommend that you've read in the past, you know, pandemic or whatever? 
Ooh, um, just finished reading uh, a biography of uh, Benjamin Franklin, and the name of it I can't even remember. Uh, I think it's called an American. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember it, but it's a. It was a. It was a biography of uh, Franklin's um, uh, diplomatic mission to France during the Revolution. And basically about how he laid the seeds for uh, the uh, American uh, State Department. Um, oh, wow. And I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but I just finished reading it. I'm very embarrassed that I can't remember the title. But um, uh, all you bibliophobes out there probably know the book uh, extremely well. Is it um, a new book? or It's relatively new um, in the last 10 years or so. It's not called uh, a great improvisation, is it? That's it. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yes. Ryan scores 10 points. Yes. yes. Thank you, Ryan, for starring the role of Mike's brain. Perfect. <laughs> written by Stacy Schiff. Yes. That's the book. Uh, just finished reading that. Great book. I highly recommend. 10 out of 10 stars. All right, Mike. Well, we love you, buddy. It's been so great to catch up with you. Congratulations on everything. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Please, you got my number. Use it. Uh, yes, sir. And if you guys are ever up this way, look us up. We've Absolutely. got this. We'd love to see you. Hey, great talking to you guys. Wonderful hearing all of your your voices. And uh, hope I get to see your faces real soon. All right, we love you, you Mike. Uh, much love. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. so much mike yeah thanks mike we, we love you we love catching up with you we're so excited about everything that is going on absolutely my lord and if you want to learn more about us please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com that's connor with an er please follow us on social media facebook instagram tiktok connor and smith again with an er Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Share it where you share things. Post it where you post things. We appreciate it. Um, please join the Discord discussion. The link is in the description. And also, please add songs to our late 90s playlist for Season 5. It is going gangbusters. I see a lot of you guys are adding things, and I love every minute of it. Um, and yeah, we're going to celebrate and uh, honor Memorial Day this weekend and I hope all of you have someone to honor in your family if not remember those who did and it's not just a cookout it's actually service and lives and very important we're going to be back with more episodes next week and um, this Memorial Day I'll be thinking about my dad and uh, his service to the country and Matt, your father, and his service to the country. Absolutely. Um, and thank you, veterans. And that's it for this week. We will talk to you next week. This season is just going on. There's more and more people to interview and we're booking it every day and loving that everybody's so engaged and interested. So thank you so much. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.